I really enjoy uh, going to classes with other teachers, uh, hearing Dharma talks, listening to different perspectives because, um, you know, it's often said that there's only one Dharma talk, <clears throat> which just means that the Buddha taught one thing. He said he taught one thing, the, the nature of suffering and the end of suffering. It's just that there's so many different ways to talk about it. There's so many different ways to approach it. I mean, if you, if you look, there's, I mean, the suttas are numerous, the scriptures, uh, the, the texts um, that, where the Buddhist teachings were um, captured. And so there's multiplicity of different metaphors and similes that he used. And there's even, <clears throat> over the, over the um, centuries, uh, as Buddhism spread throughout the world, there have been different interpretations, and so there's different lineages that look at things differently, and, but it's still all the same teaching. Um, and so the, I, I really appreciate the vast knowledge of, and wisdom and experience of teachers because they do give you a different perspective, which allows you perhaps to see things a different way. The same thing, but differently, which, which can have a, a, a really a beneficial impact. Um, and uh, yeah, they, they said there's like, I, don't, I can't remember, remember how many, but there's thousands of Dharma doors by which people enter into this practice and into this path, this stream. Um, so last Sunday, I went to our monthly BIPOC and allies group here in Los Angeles, and the guest was Sister Clear Grace Dianonda. And they are um, they're in, ordained in the lineage of Thich Nhat Hanh, and they also studied with um, Venerable Panavati, who's Theravadan, who's a Theravadan nun. And um, when Sydney, Sydney, who facilitates the group, introduced Sister Grace, Sister Grace started speaking, and the first thing they said was, I am all of these things, and I am none of these things. Which is a really profound thing to say if you think about it. And it's true for each of us. We are all of these things. If you think of how you describe yourself or someone else would describe you, you know, a father, a mother, a sister, a brother, a, a, a sibling, a, a teacher, a student, a skateboarder, a cancer survivor, all of those labels that we have, that's true all of those things are true, and none of those things are true because that is not our essence. That's not who we are. We're not, you know, if you, if you excavate me after I'm dead, you're not going to find a little skateboarder down there. A, because I can't skateboard, but B, that's not who I am. Or you're not going to find a little daughter down there or a little archaeologist down there or a little Dharma teacher in there. That's my ultimate essence. It's so I'm all of those things, and I'm none of those things. The Buddha taught that we are conditioned beings, and we shift and we change and we react differently based on circumstances of our lives. We've all changed over our lives. I do not have the same outlook on life as I did when I was 17, thankfully. I do not behave in the same way. I do not react in the same way. I, it's thankfully... But if you look at that, so is there this rigid Mary in there? 
I, I am really I'm comfortable with the recognition that there's this shifting and changing because when you do that, A, you recognize that you are um, a condition, we are conditioned beings, but also there's great hope in that. You know, because oftentimes when we're stuck in a place, you, you find yourself saying, I can't help it, that's the way I am, which is not necessarily true. It may just be some very deep conditioning that needs to be investigated and disentangled and some, some core experiences that we have um, that have stuck with us throughout our entire lives, but there is a way out. So I really appreciate that. That was a really... she they. Claire, Sister Claire Grace just said one thing, I am all of these things and I am none of those things. And it's like, <laughs> I've heard that before, but it really landed. And so um, then they said some other things. Um, they're a very interesting person. They live, in a, they live in a van and travel around the country to really be intimate with people and suffering and getting you know, really in touch with the reality of, of people's existence. And one of the things they said was, and this is something that really struck me and that has kind of become a mantra for me um, over the, the last week, is um, don't pick up the stick of self. Don't pick up the stick of self. And that's kind of what I want to talk about um, tonight. It's also a teaching, just like I am all of these things and none of these things is a teaching of you know, non-identification with labels, um, the same thing is true with don't pick up the stick of self because that's how we operate in this world. This everything is in relation to me, it's, which means it's all about me to a certain extent. It's how I, I used to think of people in the world as cardboard cutouts and I, I was just moving through the world relating to these cardboard cutouts, not recognizing that there's, you know, there's a million, well, billions of other human beings, flesh and blood people walking around with their own array of experiences and conditioning. And, um, and if I can relate to them as human beings without relating to them as how it impacts me in a, in a that I have to pick up my stick of self, there's a tremendous amount of freedom in there. And so let me, let me try and talk a little bit more about that. Um, when there, some experience, when something happens in our lives, it's almost automatic that we react to it or relate to it based on our own experience. How could we not? I mean, our experience is all we know. But the Buddha said we have to be willing to let go of the, that reactivity, which is why in the, in the meditation practice, the invitation was to let it be, not pick up the reactivity. Oh, this is uncomfortable, or let me fix it, or the memory of that challenging experience is like, how do I fix that? How do I make that stop? And we get caught up in the emotion around it which is suffering, which is discontent with the way things are. And if we don't pick up the stick of self, we get to see something without reactivity. We get to respond wisely, wisely with, a bigger, with a bigger picture. Um, I made a note. Oh, I know what it is. Um, it was a shorthand note, and I'm like, what did that mean? 
Um, I'll give you an example and how I how I really um, can use this. Last night we went to um, a comedy club and saw a comedian that we really, really, really like a lot. And it's a small place. And after the show, he was outside shaking hands and um, have your picture taken with him if you wanted to. And so we did that. And I don't remember. I said something to him. And after that, and all all last night and for early part of this morning, I was like, oh, that was such a stupid thing to say. He's going to think you're a dope or whatever it was. I was, I don't know if you've ever had that experience of why did I say that? Oh my God, it's such a stupid, yeah, la, 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 la. And all of a sudden it occurred to me, don't pick up the stick of self. And I was like, oh, I was all, it was all about me. How is he going to see me? What's he going to think about me? I walked away and I have not occurred to him since then. I'm 100% sure of that. Maybe 99% sure of that. He hasn't thought about me all night long and all day long going, that lady, what a jerk. It's so, but the suffering, when we pick up the stick of self, it's, and then when we can let it go and I shift and I'm like, oh, it's my, I always want, I always, when there's people that I really admire like that, I always want to become their new best friend. So I always want to say something that, you know, is wise and witty and they like, oh, let's be friends. And it, it never happens. It's just a fantasy I live in. And when I can recognize it as a fantasy and go, that's not going to happen. Don't plot and plan and then berate yourself. There's so much suffering that can be avoided when we don't pick up the stick of self. And Sister Grace had a, a, a number of examples that were really powerful about situations involving. Um, she's a, they're a woman of color and um, a person of color. And they had interactions with police and interactions with scary people where they didn't react. They just didn't pick up the stick of self and just said, okay, be with the emotions that may be present, because there's a lot of emotions that can show up around the experience, but we don't have to react based on our history, based on our conditioning. If we can let go of that conditioning and recognize that stuff is in there, but we can let go or let it be, there's a tremendous freedom in that. Because Sister Grace is in the Yogacara, I mean, Thich Nhat Hanh's tradition, there's a, that's a, 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 a lineage or tradition called Yogacara, they have a, a teaching that I love called the storehouse consciousness, which is um, all our experiences are stored. There's like seeds that are stored and waiting for the conditions to be right, to ripe, right to blossom and bloom. It's like, you know, in the desert here in Southern California and Southwest, you know, there's, there's seeds in the ground that don't um, bloom for years until there's a major rain. And then they have what's called a super bloom, all these, these wildflowers that haven't bloomed in years. It's the same kind of thing. The conditions have to be right for these things to bloom. But we have to recognize that that's old stuff that we don't have to operate from because it may not be true anymore. The question is, what's in there? Is that even reality anymore? 
I may be reacting from some experience I had as a 14-year-old, which may, the, the emotion may be present right now, but I don't have to pick up the stick of self and, and defend something that happened 30, 40, 50 years ago. And just say, oh, look at this emotion that's here. Okay, there's some fear, there's some terror, there's some grief, there's some sadness. But I'm not stuck on that and creating the story about me and them and this and that. You know, there's so much freedom there. And Sister Grace uh, recommended uh, uh, one of the suttas called the Yoga Sutta, the yokes. And the yokes are those things, if you ever see pictures of oxen pulling a cart, that, that yoke that, that ties the, the animal to the cart, that's a yoke. And so the Buddha, Buddha, of course, there were a lot of, lot of oxen and carts and things in his day, so he used a lot of those examples. And he talked about um, f four different kinds of yokes that we get stuck on. The yoke of sensual pleasure, the yoke of becoming, the yoke of views, and the yoke of ignorance. And as is typical with the sutta, it repeated the same thing for each of these. And, and I'll just for an example, the question he asked, and what is the yoke of sensual pleasure? It's when you don't truly understand what it is. And you, you chase it. You don't understand the origin, ending, gratification, drawbacks, and escapes. So greed and affection, infatuation, thirst, passion, attachment, and craving for sensual pleasure lingers on the inside. You just move through the world with this wanting things to be good and sweet and pleasant. I want the comfort all the time. I want the best things all the time. So we get stuck on that. And so we are yoked to that. And he said, an unyoking is when you understand that craving. You understand its origin, you understand its ending, and escape. And so you don't get stuck to it. That's where the freedom is. And so the sensual pleasure is, as I said, wanting things to be what they are. I mean, wanting things to be awesome all the time. The second, the second one that he talks about is becoming which is, I really like this, the, the taking birth as a person who wants a particular thing or who doesn't want a particular thing. If you see something walking by or a thought comes into your mind and all of a sudden you latch onto that, you become the person who wants or doesn't want, needs or doesn't need. Um, a couple, I've heard of several teachers um, talk about this. I think Joseph Goldstein talks about it. I can't remember what he called it exactly, but it's like a catalog. You get a catalog in the mail, or those catalogs that they used to have when you flew, Sky Mall, um, and you'd be in the plane and you'd re be reading this magazine, this catalog of junk, and you'd want all these things, and you could order them while you were stuck in an airplane. Or the Dalai Lama apparently likes gadgets. In, he was in the United States, and he walked by a sharper image, I think, and he was just mesmerized, and he, and he saw this wanting arise for stuff he didn't even know what it was, but it was, you know, shiny. And he took birth as this person. This is this becoming. We want something. We don't want something. We become that. We take on that persona. So this is the conditioning that we're constantly working with. 
but if we're aware, because when we become and we get attached to craving of sensual pleasures, there's suffering there because it's never going to be what we want it to be. There's impermanence, so it's not going to stay, which is ignorance. This is this yoke of ignorance of not understanding impermanence, not understanding the Four Noble Truths, that there is discomfort and suffering in this world, that we're all of the nature to grow old and get sick and die, all of us. Not, not understanding the characteristics of existence, you know? Um, as I said, the impermanence and so on and so forth. So recognizing that, recognizing that when we're caught in ignorance, or we're, we take birth as a person who wants or doesn't want, or we have, get stuck on views, which, you know, self-view, sakayaditi, and as I said earlier, you know, stuck on I am this, I am that, I am this, I have to be that, you have to see me as this way. I wanted that comedian to see me as this wonderful person that he wants as his new best friend. And it caused suffering. Not a lot, and I was able to recognize that I got, I picked up that stick again. Oh, put it down. And be compassionate towards the emotion, that, 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 that deep, deep, deep yearning that's, that happens all the time. That's some old conditioning. And so we're gentle with it. We're kind to it. We don't berate it. Um, and so these views of should, I, you should see me this way, I should... You should be that way. They should do this. So these, these ideas of how the world should be, um, get, we get so stuck in that. I talked a couple of weeks ago about don't know mind. Be willing to let go of those preconceived views because they're not working with what's happening right now. They're working with something from the past, and they may bear no relation to reality. So when we drop these yokes, when we become unyoked, there is space for this moment. There's this, this, all of a sudden, this space that's not taken up by the stick of self, by the preconceived ideas, by these four yokes. And where there's space for this moment, and there's space for responding wisely to the moment. We open up rather than closing down. When we're yoked and caught, we're, you know, that constriction is just happens automatically because we're grasping and clinging and holding on. And when we let go and release, ooh, there's a spaciousness. Just, just imagine it in your body, this spaciousness when you're not grasping or clinging. And we don't pick up the stick of self. Or... More often than not, we pick it up, but then we put it back down. We recognize, and this is the practice of mindfulness, beginning to recognize suffering and beginning to put it down, what's causing it, that stick of self, that me, my, I. The, and, and cultivating the willingness to release, the willingness to release and the willingness to let it be. It's, it's such a different way of being in the world. It's such a different perspective. But it's a, such a, a liberating perspective, such a, a freedom that exists. And when you can let things go, you're not working on 
old ideas, old stories, things that may be driven by those seeds from, you know, decades ago. And you look at what's happening right now. What is true in this moment? And most of the time, it's fine right now. Because we're stuck in the future, stuck in the past. But what's happening right now? Can we be okay with this? You know? And it's challenging because... Um, Sister Grace was talking about, you know, we're not just carrying our own experiences, we're carrying all the stuff in our DNA, all the historical stuff that's happened to us, all the, all the things that are happening in our society, we're carrying all that. So this invitation to vigilance, this invitation to mindfulness, and, and a willingness to investigate, that's, that's where take, we're going right into those factors of awakening, the mindfulness, investigation, effort to let go, effort to stay present, leads to this joy and this, this tranquility and this, this steadiness of mind and this equanimity. So again, one Dharma talk, <laughs> it all leads the same way. It all leads to the same place. The recognition of what is suffering, what is dukkha, what's causing dukkha, and how do you walk away from dukkha? The end of dukkha. So when we put down that stick, we can investigate what emotion is here. And I, and I, and I heard um, Lama Rod Owens the other day talking about, you know, often we're driven by this really energetic emotion like anger or some passionate emotion that's driving us, you know, love, greed, whatever. But when we can maybe calm that or pause and, and let that rest and make space to see what might be underneath it. Is there a more subtle emotion underneath that? Oftentimes what's underneath anger is fear. You know, the Buddha talked in another sutta about um, four ways of going off course you know, getting off the, off the path, and it's greed, hatred, delusion, and fear. So fear is, is recognized as this thing that gets in our way, and so again, bringing investigation to that, but we can't unless we are willing to stay, are willing to put down what we think it is, and ask what it really is. And always the caveat to come, to all of this with friendliness, with kindness, with gentleness. We sit with a heart imbued with kindness, with compassion, with joy, with equanimity. So important. So um, thank you, thank you, thank you so much, my friends. I, um, I really appreciate your time. I really appreciate your attention. And I invite you to drop that stick or don't pick it up and see see what happens play with that um, play with that idea play with it in your life um, see if it makes sense for you don't believe it just because i said it don't believe it just because sister grace said it see what works for you if it takes you away from suffering or towards suffering so thank you thank you thank you my friends Thank you for visiting Undefended Dharma. These teachings are freely offered. However, if you would like to make a donation to help support the technology, 
that makes these podcasts possible, please visit marystancavage.org backslash support. Thank you.